Heavenly Father, and you are good. You are loving and gentle. You are both firm and fair, perfect in all of your ways. In this moment, we pause to thank you for the gift of our earthly fathers. And for many of us, our dads are or were wonderful examples of you and your love. Yet for others, in this moment, we ask for your healing for hurting hearts today. We have among us fathers who really don't want to be and other men who would give anything to be. We have those who desire desperately to be unlike their father and to be the father you're calling them to be. We have those here who have been abused by their father and those who are far away from their dad and for those who don't even know who their father was. We have those who wish they were with dad this day and those who are glad he's not around. We have those whose father's alive, but he might as well be dead by his distance and those whose father is is dead. And we would give anything for one more opportunity to talk with our dad. Lord, we come to you today just as we are, some celebrating, some simply surviving. Show us today how to trust you. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are a loving Heavenly Father. Would you lift us up to your lap and whisper to our hearts how much you love each of us. You are a good, good Father. And in you we place our trust and our hope through Jesus our Lord. And together, all God's people said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Indeed, you may be seated. Uh, Worship team. uh, 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 uh. (laughs) I just wanted to say, come on up, Maya. I just wanted to say a special thanks for our worship team. These are young people from Arise Church. And I think we're in good shape. Sam, thank you. Pastor Sam is leading this group uh, of youth and others, and uh, I appreciate you, Pastor Sam, leading them to the heart of worship and allowing us to experience that as well. Good. Thanks, guys. Great job. Great job. And if you are new to Arise, we just want to say, hey, welcome, welcome We hope that you will encounter Jesus this morning. That is our goal. We also have our Kid Connect ministry. Kids age two through fifth grade are dismissed at this point. Yeah, Papa stays here. That's right. (laughs) Although I would like to go back, I have to stay here. (laughs) Good. Age two through fifth grade, you are dismissed. And let's see, it's great to have other grandkids. This was a surprise this morning. Anna, thank you. That was wonderful. You guys want to stay in here and listen to me or go back to Kid Connect? They're going to stay. Yay. I like that. (laughs) Welcome, 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 welcome. Well, good. We are glad that you are here with us today. And we are actually continuing our series, uh, Special Father's Day edition. Uh, And the name of our series has been Lies We Believe. 
lies we believe. And over these past weeks, we've been discussing some lies that are common to all of us and to each of us. This morning, being Father's Day, we're going to focus on some lies men tend to believe. Now, not not that you have to be a man to believe these lies, but uh, these are some lies men tend to believe. Uh, I found over the years that men are sometimes gullible, and all the women said, yeah. And I've also found that sometimes men are just plain dumb, to which all the women said, okay, now we're clear on that. Uh, So we've got some pictures here of some guys just doing uh, what guys do. So if you're not familiar with Darwin Awards, let's, let's see them. That is a shark. Uh, uh, Dustin, Pete, uh, good law enforcement. <laughs> okay. Uh, whoop. Oh, that happened this week, didn't it? Oh. I think that was our last men's retreat. Uh, we were <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate that. Good. Okay. So he just wanted to remind you, sometimes men can do some rather bizarre kinds of things. Yes. Yes. And most guys are, know what I'm talking about. Uh, but here are some lies that men believe. Uh, and just see if you can identify with any of these guys. Uh, the world is rigged against me and I can't win. I can't help how I react to certain people or circumstances. I just can't help myself, right? Pleasure and entertainment can satisfy me. A big one in our day, men don't need friends. I can't be totally honest about that. My sin really isn't that bad because I can hide my secret sins and it only hurts me and no one will know anyway. So what's the big deal with this? I have sexual needs my wife can't fulfill. Love doesn't require spoken words. I don't need to say it. They know that. Come on. If I discipline my kids, they'll rebel. How I spend my time is my business, whether it's work, hobbies, gaming, sports, news, whatever you want to throw in there. I have the right to be angry when things don't go my way. I have that right. Big boys don't cry, do they? I can't help myself. I'm just like my dad. I will fail if I try. And if I do try and fail, I can't recover from that. So I'm not going to try. Okay? These are all lies that men believe. Now, we've been looking at lies and we counter the lies with the truth of the word of God, correct? And so just one verse before we dig in with some personal stories this morning. Just one verse. This comes to us from 1 Corinthians 16. 
Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Act like men, be strong, Paul wrote here. Act like men. Hearing God's word is a command. It is a command in the original language. It literally says, behave in a manly way. Behave in a manly way. What does that mean? That wouldn't be too popular in our current cultural climate for sure. Behave in a manly way. But you know what? I don't give a rip. And I don't care. Because it's the word of God. You got a problem with it? Take it up with him. I'm just the messenger. Amen. All right? The words ring true of Paul's theme for the church in Corinth. He's constantly saying, would you guys grow up, church, grow up. That's kind of the basis of 1 Corinthians, grow up. Several times he spoke of their childish, immature behavior. They were acting like babies, and it was time to start acting like men. Behave in a manly manner, Paul wrote. Sociologist Peter Carl believes that because boys spend up to 80% of their time with women, they don't know how to act like men when they grow up. Men become helpless and more and more like big kids. Wow. So what makes a real man? Size of your bicep, size of your bank account, what do we use to measure? If we're going to behave in a manly manner, what does that mean? It's really about our compassion capacity in the light of today's gender fluidity. Too many men struggle with our identity, with our masculinity, and I'm absolutely convinced because men are struggling with their identity, women are struggling with theirs, and children struggle with theirs. And we best right the ship and come back to the truth of the Word of God. Behave in a manly manner. Behave in a manly manner. The real man is one who walks hand in hand with a model of masculinity. What is his name? Always the right answer. It's Jesus. I want to behave like a man. I want to behave like Jesus did from the inside out, filled with compassion, filled with courage. I'm weary of cowardly Christianity. The Lord is looking for men who will live like overcomers, live like conquerors. Not some kind of limp-wristed mama's boy that goes around whining all the time, hiding. The real man is the one who, through the power of Christ, has conquered the real enemy. And the real enemy is our own sin nature. That's the real enemy. The real enemy does not exist out there. The real enemy begins right here in our own heart, in our identity with who Jesus is and what he means to us. And I'm convinced... This man is victorious because he has surrendered his life to Jesus. Now think about this for a moment. Strength coming from surrender. Where are you going to hear that? Recovery. Recovery. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's totally contrary to what everything else the world is throwing at us. Strength comes from surrender. And so that becomes the challenge, surrendering our lives to Jesus. Men wanting to move from victim to victor, men who are ready and willing to conquer for Christ. I believe that real men follow God real hard. You going to be a real man, guys? You want to be a real man? Can't be done from a recliner. We don't change by clicking the remote. We must encounter the Spirit of God to become real tough guys in a really, really tough and changing world. Are we up to it?
You got enough guts to rise up, to seize the opportunity to be an influencer in your own home, in your place of work, in your neighborhood, in the relationships around you. Now, to help me out this morning, we've got a really distinguished panel of men who are going to share their hearts in their journeys with us. And I know you're going to receive them well because this is where we live and this is what our church is all about, the real thing. What's it life out there in the real world? So I'm going to invite James Rasmussen, Scott Hilbeling, Bob Snodgrass, and Grant Rathel. Why don't you guys come on up? Uh, let's thank the Lord for these guys being willing to share this morning. As we sat up here earlier, they suggested that I cut off this pant leg, that we're equally spaced between the shorts and pants or trousers. Oof, okay, good. I, want, I just want to thank you guys for being willing to share this morning. Uh, we're talking about lies that men believe, and you were given the opportunity to uh, either come forward with a lie that you've been believing or pick one and talk and interact with us about that. So why don't we start down here with James. James, just tell us a little bit about yourself first, uh, you know, a little bit about your life and uh, where you work, but keep it very short. Yeah, I'll be short. Okay. Can you, mic's on? I'm James Rasmussen, if you guys don't know me. Um, so I, I've lived in Sheboygan basically my whole life. Um, I work at the, the Volrath Company, which is literally right across the street. So I live right by What's Up Bar and Girl, so everything is kind of in this like triangle, so it's kind of weird. Oh, totally unplanned. Um, but uh, yeah, so I live in Sheboygan. Uh, my wife Katie over there is in the back. She's standing. She made a great Oreo dessert in case anyone wants to try it, so <laughs> just get ready for that. <laughs> so Good. Scott, how about you? Scott Hibblink, uh, born and raised in Sheboygan County, never left it except to go up north which I love. <laughs> My wife, Sherry. Um, I work at Oosburg Lumber. I'm the manager of the overhead door division. I've uh, been in overhead doors my whole life. I've um, uh, been a Christian my whole life, born and raised in a Christian home, as well as my wife. And um, we love it here. Thank you. Bob? Bob Snodgrass. I think if this was a 12-step meeting, I would say, All right, my name is Bob, and I have issues. <laughs> uh, currently, I'm employed at Cedar Warehousing. I, I move, uh, drive a forklift, move uh, pallets around, things like that, load trucks, and that kind of thing. Your family? Yeah, my family's here. Uh, Rachel Snodgrass is my wife. But my daughter, Liza, she goes by Anna Tally's at work this morning. Very good. Very good. And Grant? Hi, I'm Grant. I live in uh, Oostburg. I've been in Chippewa County my whole life. Um, my wife, Rachel, um, and we have two kids, um, and I work at Frederick Hospital in Milwaukee. What do you do there? I'm an RN. And you're also going to school to? I'm currently working on my master's as well. Wonderful. Good. So we've got quite a variety here, and uh, again, these guys have been asked to tell us about a struggle with a lie and how it impacted your life and those around you, and uh, where are you? You still struggling? You defeated? You've seen some victory, what's happening, and then how has God or others helped you 
as you have wrestled with lies in your own life. Okay, so James, why don't you kick us off? Uh, why don't you tell us about a lie that you've believed and uh, where you are with that thing? Yeah, definitely. So the first one that I had on here was um, you have to have X number of years of school or X percentage or amount of income to be happy. And I think where this originates from is like not to like education is extremely important. Like my sister's a fourth grade teacher, so I can't say it's not important. Um, but I mean, you go like through your life, like you go through elementary school, middle school, high school, college, if you choose to go to college and you're in this process. And then once you get out, you're kind of at a point where you're like, you know, now I'm in a job or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm doing something else in this season of life. And, um, I'm not sure, you know, what the right direction is. And I think it's perfectly okay to, to believe that, you know, I think like it, for myself, like I think what I struggle with and what I believe is that I have to continually grow and get better at like whatever I'm doing all the time. Like there's no chance for failure. I just have to keep going and, you know, advance and keep moving up the, the ladder per se. And I, I think like, I think it's okay to be, if you, if you're happy where you are and you feel like God's calling you to be somewhere that you, you know, you're there for a reason, you know, you don't need to continually try to make more money or continually try to get like a better education. And if that's the path you choose, that's the path you choose. But I don't think it applies to everyone. Um, so I think that's a lie that we can get wrapped in and get really overwhelmed and stressed out, you know, as you go through your life. Um, I think it's tough because, you know, when, when I'm at work, the question always is about like your development plan, like what's next? How are you going to build yourself? What are you going to do? It's a great question to ask yourself, but I think it's it just as important to like rely on God and, and think and pray about it and say, like, where do you want me? Like, do you want me to be still where I'm at right now or do you want me to yeah. go somewhere else? So I, I don't know. That's that's one lie that um, I believe in. You know, everyone's going to have a different opinion, too. So I, I fully respect that. But that's kind of where I've been in my journey. And um you know, I'm still young in my career, so I get that question a lot. I get asked, like, what do you want to do in the next five years? And I have no idea. Um, still trying to figure that out, I guess. But um, I think everybody is to an extent of what they're trying to do. So that's, that's where I'm at with that lie. So, Thank you. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> um, the lie that I chose was um, my wife is supposed to make me happy. Now, I don't know that I ever truly believed that or behaved that way. Um, but it struck me a little better than three years ago um, when my wife became ill. And I had to start doing some of the things that she was doing and um, understood how selfish I was in the idea that it just didn't seem fair that now all of a sudden I'm needing to do these things. But I realized how much she had really been there for me. Um, not that I said that she should make me happy, but the fact that she was and is making me happy um, in all the things that she was doing for me that I didn't really realize. And I, I kind of felt like I was... You take it for granted. Um, men, you won't know this until something happens like that in your life. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful in this trial because it's teaching me who I am and how I can be different. So that's, that's been a challenge. Thanks, Scott. Bob? 
I chose a self-esteem, a, a, a preoccupation with self, a low self-image. Uh, do you remember the movie Jurassic Park where the, the hunter, man, uh, in a real ominous way, he said they're, they're testing the fences systematically. Uh, they remember. Okay, we're dealing with an enemy who is, who's, he's not a nice guy, and he doesn't approach you all the time with horns and pitchforks and all these kind of things. He can come disguised as success. He can come disguised as uh, whisperings in your, in your mind. They're, they're all against you. They're upset with you. They're disappointed in you. Uh, this became huge for me. I grew up in a suburb of a small town. <laughs> Never really felt like I was anything. Uh, the people that were something either had their name on the door or they have some type of letters after their name, okay? RN. Uh, my dad was a pilot. I have two pastor brothers. My sister's a physician. What am I? What am I doing? Stumbling around, working different factory jobs, trying, 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 but always battling with this, who is Bob, right? Just struggling, struggling. Now, in the 70s and 80s, I don't think we fully understood mental illness and all the things that were going on and all the chemical uh, changes that can happen in a person's brain, but we're trying to help people. Uh, nowadays, there's a lots of acronyms. They'll call it RSD, okay? Rejection-sensitive dysphoria. That's a wonderful way of saying that. You get very upset when people reject you or when you feel like you're rejected. Whether it's real or perceived, it doesn't really matter. Your brain goes into overdrive and starts, these chemicals start pumping and you go right back to those habits that you had before. Anger is a huge one. The problem with anger is it works. You get things done. Your, your pupils dilate, your blood, blood vessels uh, enlarge and you have more strength and you can get things done and in the short term you can accomplish some goals and you might even feel good about what you've done or you might make huge mistakes and then you get to beat yourself up about that uh, for weeks or months or years. So some of the symptoms of RSD are low self-esteem, avoidance of social settings, fear of failure, high expectations of yourself, frequent emotional outbursts after being hurt or rejected, Feelings of hopelessness, approval-seeking behavior, anger and aggression in uncomfortable situations, and general anxiety. Well, I look at a list like that, and I have all of them. So what do I do? Do I go to a doctor and trust everything that they're going to say? We're still learning about the person and about the mind, but I believe that our Lord Jesus, it wasn't kidding when he said, if you believe in me, you will have you will be able to do greater works than these. Rivers of living water will flow out of you. And one day you'll be in the presence of my Father in heaven. There aren't going to be any categories anymore. We're going to focus on the Lamb, and we're going to fall down on our faces and worship. And there isn't going to be Bob and his little problems anymore, or any one of us. Uh, it's going to be a glorious day, and so we can look forward to that. We have peace with God. We have access to God now in our day-to-day -day lives. We have hope in this life. We have a purpose in our problems, or we can start to understand over time what some of our problems might have been actually for, and that eternal security that I mentioned before. Praise God. Good. Good. I love honesty, don't you? Because I can guarantee you every guy in here is thinking, thinking, thinking. Hmm. Grant, what you got? Um, the first thing I kind of was uh, working on was um, first thing was like men don't have emotions, which is not a, probably a better way to say it, is that men don't necessarily uh, know how to like necessarily show emotions. I think we're really good at showing our happiness and our anger. 
but anything in between there, um, we don't want anyone to see. Um, and um, and so when we get to those points, um, we relate and translate those feelings to something else that we can control, whether it's our work and become workaholics, or we seek alcohol, or substance abuse, or sexual addiction, or um, um, and then it gets manifest into anxiety, depression, and things that no one wants to talk about, suicide isolation, um, and all that stuff. And, um, and I think it just comes back to culture and how we, as men, are taught to be men, and we'd be tough, we have to be, sh uh, can't show anything, but, um, but sometimes I feel like it's really hardening, hurting us and killing us and, um, inside, you know, and, um, and for me, when I was uh, going through this, um, I remember like three, no, four years ago or so, uh, we had bought this older house, um, and we were doing a lot of work in the house, and we bought it, and we wanted to do work on it. Um, uh, I think, and then Rachel was just pregnant uh, with our first, and um, we needed to get our bathroom taken care of because it was... Um, yeah, not very great. And so um, Rachel pushed me, and she was the first one to the sledgehammer to the wall. I was like, ah, I got I to gotta fix this now. And so, but she kept on pounding and pounding. He's like, okay, well, now it's too late. No, shower's destroyed, so here we go. Um, and so, um, but with that, um, so new, expecting me a new father, um, had to fix our bathroom, um, and, um, and I changed jobs recently and trying to get in the work of things. Um, I all of a sudden had a hard time falling asleep and staying asleep. Um, I remember sitting at the top of our stairs and um, just thinking, like, you know how to lead your life spiritually. You don't know how to um, um, fix this bathroom. You don't know how to do this. You don't know how to do this. And it all piled up, and all of a sudden I started getting short of breath and um, anxious. And everything. I tried going for a walk at 3 o'clock in the morning. I tried taking a couple doses of Benadryl and um, melatonin and all that stuff, but nothing was working. And I was trying to really going back to why I was all doing this. I was doing all this other stuff, but I wasn't focusing on my spiritual life, and that was really one of the darkest, lowest points in my spiritual faith with um, Christ. And um, at this time, we started a home home group with um, Pastor Michael and Sam and um, Steve and Amy and Amber. And, um, and um, part of that group was really focusing on who we are um, in God and... Um, and I love the fact that we just saying God's a good, good father, and I'm a child of God, because um, that is exactly as we were processing that. That's how God viewed me. And I was sitting at the t um, and after a couple of weeks of sitting at the top of the stairs, just trying to fall asleep and get my mind off of stuff, um, uh, I finally connected that I am a child of God. And all these things, um, they're there, but I'm going to take care of you, and um, we will... Um, and I and I love you. And I thought that feeling as soon as I had started, then really taking that to heart and really focusing on that, um, a lot of the anxiety went away. But it was only because of God's reminder of how much He loves us. And um, and yeah. So. Thank you, Grant. Good. All right, we've got one more round, and I hope you are listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying in your own heart. Yeah. All right, James, what you got? Back to me, okay. I, uh, I came up with my own, actually. I went off a little script, but it's the same one I emailed you about, so that's fine. Um, so the one that I came up with was, I have to pretend to be someone that I'm not. So I'll say it again. I have to pretend to be someone that I'm not. And I think for, for me personally, um, when I was growing up in, in middle school and high school, I mean, there's a lot of 
like emotions and hormones and friends and like things going on and you're trying to find like where you fit in and who you you know get along with um, and I think a lot of a lot of times like especially in my life um, you, know, you find yourself like trying to to be someone else to fit in with others and that kind of stems from me personally being kind of a people pleaser I know not to put Elizabeth on the spot but I remember from last time you were saying that um, so I relate to you Elizabeth um, with that so I'm definitely would be more of a people pleaser um, but like as as time went on, I think the the moment where it really switched for me and it kind of clicked in my mind is when I um, went to college and I talk about this uh, to people in our home group um, a lot is I had, I had the option to either go um, to a private Christian college down in Chicago with like two of my best friends from from high school or I'd go on my own to a school I literally know nobody. Um, and for me, that's completely out of my comfort zone. Like I was petrified. Um, but I made the jump and like, I trusted like that decision where God was leading me there. And like, it was like the, the best decision I've ever made in my life. Um, because I met so many amazing people, um, when I was there and like, God showed me that like, you know, you can, you can trust me and like where you go. So in that moment, I realized like, I, I don't need to pretend that I really want to go into this other college, like with you guys, even though you're great friends of mine, like I'm still close with these two guys, um, but I, I, I don't have to pretend that I, you know, that I, that I want to go. Like, I want to go somewhere else. I'm going to stand by that decision. I'm going to trust, like, what God has for me. And, I mean, it paid off, like, and with the people I met and the, the friends I met and the relationships I built. Um, so I think that can apply to a lot of us. But um, right now, that's, that's what really impacted me, and um, that's the, the second lie that I think uh, people tend to believe. So Wonderful. Good. Scott? All right, the second lie that I chose, I can handle this on my own. Um, I'm a second-born, so I'm a strong-willed, get-it-done kind of person. And I've always been that way, even as a kid. I didn't watch cartoons on Saturday morning with my brothers. Um, I was out doing things, getting things done, enjoying life, enjoying nature. Um, If it was broke, I'd try to fix it or rig it. Um, that's just been my life. Um, even in high school, individual sports I excelled in, uh, team sports not so much. Um, so it was all about, about me and, and what, what I can do, and I can do it on my own. Now, I had mentioned I, I knew Christ my whole life, so God was always involved. Um, but I, I just always had this thing of fix it. Um, with our kids, uh, I can name e- each one in a situation where, um, you know, I had a daughter that had an accident in the house and we had to go to the hospital and she needed stitches. She split her forehead open. And um, we're in the hospital and you bring a child that has a, a wound into the hospital, they separate you and they question you and over question you. And finally to a point where I'm like, okay, we're done. And my daughter needs stitches. Let's take care of my daughter. And I went into the room and they said, oh, we don't want you in this room because your daughter will think that you're part of the injury. And she's going to, I'm like, I looked at the doctor. I said, you will have to physically remove me from this room. I'm not leaving. And they were okay. And all I did was on my knees, end of the bed, put my hands on her legs and was praying. As they stitched her, she fell asleep. So I fixed it. I had to help. I had to fix. Um, had a son who struggled with some medica- medical issues in school and into high school, and, and teachers didn't always understand his situation. And um, at one point 
and I would have never done this in front of my son, but he heard from the hallway and uh, said, I'll never forget what you told those teachers. And I had forgotten, but it was fixing the problem. It was, listen, you don't know his situation. If he needs to leave the room abruptly, you need to let him go. Um, I had an older daughter. She was finishing high school and decided she wanted to go to school of cosmetology. So we put $700 down, and, and it was all good. And we were in a hotel, I'll never forget. We were eating breakfast, and, and she goes, Dad, I changed my mind. And she started crying. She goes, I think I'm supposed to go to Christian school for a year. And, and I'm just like, okay. She goes, well, but that $700 is gone. And I said, it's just money. If you need to go to Ravencrest for a year, go to Ravencrest. And I fixed it, okay? Um, Dana came into our life later in, in life and just lots and lots of problems. And in every way, I wanted to be the father that she never had. Uh, so there again, trying to fix it. Um, not always on my own, but that's what I do. And then the greatest challenge of my life happened when my wife got sick. And I'm just like, God, why? Because the first diagnosis wasn't good. Um, I just asked God, I said, why would you take my wife from me? And he very clearly spoke and said, I am not. I am not done yet. And what he has been able to do in my life um, through adversity, through something that for the first time in my life, I can't fix it. I don't know how to fix it. I can't do this on my own. And I depend on God. And um, as we move forward, some of the scriptures he's given us, um, Isaiah 43.2 says, When you pass through deep waters, I will be with you. If you break that down, it says when, not if. And it says pass through. It does have a beginning and it has an end. And he will be with you through all of that. Um, another one that I've been resting on, and I just love going here, is the 23rd Psalm, where he says, um, he leads us to green pastures and still waters and restores my soul. I, that one just has been uh, incredible. And in Romans 8, 28, he causes all things to work together for good. Uh, for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And if I'm called according to his purpose, it's his purpose, not mine. And I, I rely on him. And um, another big one is um, that because I think I can do it, um, the scripture that clearly says that I need Christ is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and it's through Christ. It's not in myself. So God uses our strong will and puts himself into the picture, and, uh, and he's ultimately the one that helps us through it. Thanks, God. Mom? I also chose uh, men you are to be the spiritual leader in your home, and that creates a lot of anxiety in me because I was positive, and I still am, many days that uh, if there's anything wrong in your home, if, any, if anything isn't going 100% the way it ought to, it's your fault, your walking point. It's, uh, you, you are supposed to be very attentive and taking care of these things. Now, I know very well how to work hard, how to uh, 
pursue quality and speed in my job and things like that. I do not know how to get others to give a rip about these same uh, issues. So I, I've never taken a leadership position at work voluntarily. Uh, I've never wanted to to pursue that because I don't believe that I can I was able to put those things together and that God would have enough grace to even put me in that role. Good, I'll go serve then. I'll go, I'll go be, and you can justify that spiritually. Uh, well, I thought, uh, Leader is a servant. It's good. That I can do. All right? I'll just help other people out. I'll help them get where they want to go and, and things like that. And I don't have to be noticed, and I don't have to have my name on a door, and I don't have to be in the front. Uh, but it's this insecurity that holds me back, but it's also like a dagger in my side each and every day because I feel like something is not 100% right. Ought to be doing this or that or the other thing, and every time Pastor John mentions authority and the way we ought to view that, you know, the but my face just goes white, and I'm like, wow, I've had a problem with authority my entire life. There's there's so many and so many positions of of power that I don't feel like I can trust them. I don't feel like uh, they have our best interests at heart. They're taking care of themselves, and now just. Flip on the, the internet. My goodness, you're going to find all kinds of evidence of how we're all really in a big pickle here. And it's not going to get any better. And what we ought to do is mistrust and we ought to prep and we ought to, you know, stockpile as much as we can on the side because it's all going to fall apart. And our focus on that will get us an unhealthy uh, kind of anxiety that just lives with us constantly. I had a heart procedure this year. I had a triple bypass. And you can look, look at diet and lifestyle and exercise, but stress is on the list too. And it's one of the number one things. Never good enough. Never uh, doing that. And I had a lot of time to think when I was recovering. So I went to some scriptures, obviously, and things like that, and trying to improve. And what can I really utilize this time for to be better? But I also, also, there are lots of motivational kind of clips and things like that, too. And those are just easier. You click on something and listen to some guy. Maybe he's a bodybuilder or maybe he achieved a lot of success in business. And he's going to tell you, identify your goals and go after them and think about nothing else other than the thing you want to do because you and your dreams are the most important. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Which is it? Uh, well, it's both. You know, you, you need to identify where you're going or you're never going to uh, take the first step. And you need to set your sails or you're never going to take advantage of the winds that are blowing and things like that. So we don't get to just sit on our laurels and say, well, you know, life happened to me and there was nothing I could do about it. There is a certain amount of responsibility here. And we ought to take that responsibility seriously. But it's not all up to us either. And somehow getting those things put together is probably my number one challenge and battle right now. Uh, I just feel trapped, and I feel like I slam my head against the wall a lot. Thankfully, I have a pretty strong head, but it hurts a lot, and it hurts the people that I love, and they long to have uh, a man in their home that's, that's taking care of things, and it's being the center, and it's leading in a biblical manner. What does that look like? What are we supposed to be doing Boy, there's a lot of questions and, uh, and maybe more uh, regret over past mistakes than questions and really trying to understand the future. But we don't get to just sit and wallow. You know, we ought to be doing something about it. But there's that word again. You ought to. You should. We're not doing it then out of gratitude. We're doing it out of some kind of warped sense of duty, like we have to please God and please other people around us all the time. Most leaders, I'm scared to death of them. 
because I don't even know what the, what they're after, and I'm pretty sure they're looking down on me and they're awfully disappointed in me. Hey, we got to get over some of that. Uh, take care of our own backyard and uh, focus on uh, the only one who really knows what's best for us, and it's not ourselves. Uh, it's it's the Lord. Thank you, Bob. Good, good, really good, Grant. Um, yeah. So part of that. Um, I was one thing about like I don't have what it takes or um, I'm limited by what I can't do or my weaknesses. And um, I've always held close to heart um, James 19, like be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I'm not sure if your verse can ever really be like debilitating, but um, um, I've really taken the slow to speak to heart. And with that, I'm not very comfortable with how I speak, how I talk. And... Um, and in many ways, I kind of always identified with Moses in a way, like, Lord, I can't do that. I need, um, I need someone to speak for me. And, um, and I've been kind of processing that my whole life and, um, and working through that. And uh, I never wanted to say no because I always wanted to develop that more because I didn't want to be a crutch um, in a way. And, um, but God has worked through that um, Many times, and um, and uh, through that, even though I had that internal being, I still felt God has kind of um, considered myself as a spiritual influencer, um, as people that I'm around, and um, it's opened doors for some leadership opportunities um, in many areas of my life, um, and um, and without really seeking it or anything, I just feel like God has really worked. Um, through that, but I can't stop, uh, fight myself, but um, always um, second-guessing how people see me, how I'm talking to um, um, like doctors and, um, and other staff, um, people that are really value knowledge and clarity and preciseness, and, um, and so I always felt like someone's always kind of looking over my shoulder, but, um, but God is working through that, and I am not, and we are, none of us are limited by what we can't do or what we're not good at, but um, yeah, so. Good, good. Well, you've heard from these guys. Uh, again, I really appreciate your honesty in sharing with us. And uh, I'm pretty much done. But I'm wondering if one of you has something that you'd like to say to these guys. It's not often that men can be put in an environment where they're honest and share their hearts. It's incredibly intimidating. Uh, recovery's a place where that would happen. Uh, but outside of that, uh, we're all playing masks and playing games. And I'm just wondering, uh, maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you to say something to these guys to close us up. We'll have some announcements in just a moment. But I want to give opportunity what can Holy Spirit do to affirm these men this morning? I've been here and shared some struggles. John, can you just, uh, I'm just going to run this around just real quick. Oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> Hi, John. What do you want me to say? Just what you did. I'll say it again. I've been there. Everything you articulated which I obviously can't. I've been there, and I've gone through the same exact struggles. 
Is that helpful, guys, to know you're not alone? Yeah. Good. Who else has a word that they'd like to speak? Ryan? First of all, I just want to say thank you. Hi. First of all, I just want to say thank you to all four of you. Um, Like he was just saying, as as a recovering addict, I know that I've been in all of those pairs of shoes, felt that way about myself, you know, numerous times, but the power that God has when we do surrender, how he can change us and give us the confidence and strength to do whatever he has for us here. Um, Now I want to specifically say something to Grant. His last one with his struggle with speaking and wondering if he's talking right and whatnot, he volunteers over at Stepping Stones and... uh, I just want to remind you, it's not what you say when you go in there. It's that spirit that I've seen in you that you carry in there. It's a good word. Someone else? Thanks, Lisa. Um, as I'm thinking about what the spirit is leading me to say, um, what comes to mind is that we're all good enough. You are all good enough. That's the foundation. And from there, when you know that you're good enough for God, whether you're ambitious enough, you speak well enough, you fix enough, you grow enough, you're what, whatever you are, you are good enough. And if you build upon that, you're still good enough. And you fall, you're still good enough. You know. But Lisa, what do they do when the world's slamming? against them saying they're not good enough. They're not good enough. That's the voice in their head. And that's where you shift your eyes. You fix, fix your eyes. It's, it's, when, it's when you're slammed, your eyes are jolted momentarily from where we are supposed to have our eyes on. There's the, that's the supposed. And then when you Remind yourself, and that's that. What that's what works for me, you know. Um, sometimes the slamming slams me down to my knees, and sometimes it's just a quick loss of balance. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, um, you've got my hand, Lord. You've got my hand. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Yeah, good. Ah, oh, hold on, Barry, I'm coming. Sam, I didn't know if you're going to go for that one. I'll I'll speak to all of you, but I'm speaking specifically to uh, Bob. Um, I know what it takes for you to sit there in a little bit because of a past discussion or two that we've had. Uh, I appreciate it. And God says that my strength is made perfect in weakness. And I'm super excited because when we recognize our weakness and we're in that moment, that's when God is the strongest. So in a way, keep being weak so that he can be stronger. Hi, um, thank you so much, but 
pardon my laryngitis right now, but um, thank you so much for your vulnerability. And I, uh, I can't imagine how difficult that would be uh, to offer yourselves that transparency and vulnerability and honesty. And God meets us where we're at. And by you going up there where you're at, not waiting till you're perfect, but where you're at in your struggle, this is where God uses you. And so thank you so much. And to add to um, what the lady just right before me had said, is that <clears throat> in those times of weakness, which is often <laughs> um, for me, um, and some one way or another, some form or another, uh, that it's like, thank you, God, that my weakness is a reminder that I am not God and that you are. Yeah. And puts me in that place, reminds me of that humility of, of any pride there is put down immediately and just reminds me, wow, God, thank you that you are God and I am not, and that you are meeting me where I'm at and you're taking me from here in my surrender, as you had spoken earlier, that surrender is strength. So thank you again for your transparency, and this is such a step of surrender, because you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So acknowledge where you're at. This is so strong and brave and beautiful, and thank you. I would agree with that. Focus on the now, not the future, because it's already secured. But I do want to add on to that, and, and I want to pull up Matthew ten sixteen, when Jesus was preparing the disciples for persecution. You're not being persecuted, but there might be a day where you have to answer that. You know, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, and as innocent as doves. Mm. Yeah. Having a background in many different jobs, I've been able to pour my life into some people at these places. Though they have not accepted Jesus, they've allowed me to pray over them. Some managers here and there, and even people in the military to this day. Where they're at now, I'm not sure. But I know that God definitely had a hand in that. So, but yeah, that's all I have to say. And the next verse says, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. <laughs> but you're not going to be flogged. But also in Second Peter, First Peter, I'm not sure where it's at, but it says, just be prepared for an account. So I'll just say that much. Good. Thank you, Nate. Liza, why don't you wrap it up here? <laughs> um... Something that, like Miss Brenda said, it was very good vulnerability. I personally believe that being open and honest about how you're feeling, uh, honestly feeling, is a strong and very masculine thing to do. Not a lot of men know how to do that in an open, communicative way. And... I'm not a man, but I feel like I can I can share for from personal experience, similar experience, like not knowing kind of how to go forward and being in a place that's like completely lost. 
And what I've found is going going forward, if you feel like completely lost, as like there will always be some like glimpse of light that it's going to get better. Like like if I could give an example, like there have just been moments when I feel like utterly miserable, like I'm having the worst day of I could possibly have, and then someone will just come up to me out of nowhere, someone maybe I didn't even know cared about me or thought I was, like, didn't like me, and they'll just come and talk to me about my day, and I will, I, I think that that's like a sign from God that you're not alone. There will always be someone or something that will come into you when you're come into your circle, I don't know, um, when you're going through your darkest of moments. And you're not alone, you're never alone. Like, that's a very easy thing to say, but like, God will always be with you. You can always like, vent to God about your problems. There will always be people in your social circle who you can come to. And that's a really good reminder for everybody, fathers and just everybody in general. Wonderful. Thank you for your response, church family. Uh, we are in this together. Guys, again, I just want to say thank you uh, for your boldness, for your willingness to share. This is where we meet Jesus. And I kind of despise celebrity testimonies that I was this way and now everything's perfect in my life because that's not quite the way it works. So we're all in process, right? We're all on the same team, all headed to the same goal. And I hope you leave here encouraged today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You guys just stay up here. We're going to wrap things up next week. Uh, we will have the Lies We Believe series finale. If you've missed any of these series, they're all available online. So you're welcome to listen to past messages. Uh, then on July 3rd, uh, Jeff and Annie Dieselberg, the founders of Nightlight in Bangkok, will be with us. Uh, they happen to be at a conference nearby and uh, said, hey, can we come over and share? Uh, Going to be delightful to see them and uh, hear what's going on in Thailand in the sex industry and human trafficking, and not just there but around the world, and Annie's right at the forefront of what's happening. So that will be a, a wonderful time. Then on July 10th, Garrett Merzberger. Uh, we are planting a church in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, called The Well, and they're getting up and running. And uh, we're going to hear from him because part of our giving goes to support church planting right here in the state of Wisconsin. Then July 17th, we're going to have a picnic in the park. We will not be meeting here, but right down there in Kiwanis Park. Uh, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? That was a question that was posed to me this week. Why are we doing this? Why are we spending money to go down there, get food, bounce houses, tent, all this stuff that costs a lot of money. Um, but why are we doing this? Why don't we just meet here? It's air conditioned, it's safe, it's a, um, much more comfy than being out there. So why are we doing this? Somebody give me an answer. Why are we doing this? We have to go to them. To go to them. That's a good start. Why else? Lord, 
Lower the barriers. Serving others in our community. Good. Need more vitamin D. I hadn't thought of that one, but okay. <laughs> Good. Why else? It's more visual to make new friends right here in our own neighborhood or invite a friend, right? That maybe wouldn't go to here, but they'll go there because there's real good bratwurst and bounce houses for the kids and other stuff, right? Good. Why else? There are people out there that are scared to death to walk into a church. They don't know if they're going to get looked down on or whatever. So neutral environment, possibly. Yeah. Might help somebody out. Yeah. Good. Good. Yes, thank you. I, I just want to make sure we've, we've gone in our, out into the neighborhood because we believe that God has brought us here. We started with caroling. Uh, then we delivered Easter invites with the little plants here in the neighborhood. We've done one neighborhood cleanup. And the next one is scheduled for when, James? August 20th. August 20th, right here in Erie Hill. Uh, but beyond that is the idea that uh, we are here to be salt and light and invite right? Uh, that one's a little early. Now you're all distracted. Thanks a lot. I guess they're moving me along, folks. So I'll quit babbling. Good. Before that one, uh, just a reminder, July 22nd through 24th, Pastor Joel and Becca will be here candidating for the lead pastor position. Okay. Uh, thank you for the good comments uh, from those of you that have received my letter of resignation and the great encouragement that you've been to me. Thank you. Uh, November is coming uh, faster than we think, but this weekend in July is very important, and I hope you will adjust your plans accordingly because this is an important pivoting point for our church. Okay, July 22nd to 24, uh, Pastor Joel will be here. Now, uh, Grant's got an update about the men's ministry. Now we can show this picture. That is not Grant. Uh, yeah, he's in the back. But the first thing that catches your eye is <laughs> the leaf blower, the bazooka. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very good, Dan. Uh, the men's ministry uh, desires to serve. And uh, this is Marilyn Prepster's home, and these guys got out there and did a number on it. Uh, they are looking for opportunities in which... Uh, they can be a blessing. They're listening to Jesus. Where is he inviting us? Grant, thank you for leading our men's ministry. And you've got something else coming, not just uh, out with the neighbors, but with other guys. Yeah, so with men's ministry, uh, the whole goal is that um, there's three things, connection with each other, um, growth, and then outreach. Um, and so, like John, uh, Pastor John said, we are definitely looking for opportunities to serve people um, in our church and outside of our church. Um, um, and which is a group of guys just like, hey, we need this, we have this need, let's go um, if we can do it. Um, but also this uh, upcoming July, in July 9th, um, we are looking at going to the Brewers um, at 310 is when the game starts. It's an afternoon game. Um, but we'll tailgate here at church and we'll all meet here. Um, we'll have some brats and burgers and, um, and cornhole or whatever type of stuff you want to do. Um, but, um, and then we'll, when we meet here, then we'll head over there around two o'clock or so. Um, not sure if, um, 
There's some guys that think, I don't like baseball or whatever, but um, I'm not sure if, you're, if you've ever been to a baseball game recently, but um, if you don't know what's really going on, you're not really missing much when you're watching the game. At <laughs> the end of the game, you'll see, oh, I hit the ball. Okay, good. But anyways, there's a lot of things that people really love baseball, and that's great if, uh, if you're a big fan of baseball. But also, if you're not, um, there's a great opportunity to just connect with guys in the church. Um, there's a lot of time for... Um, talking and reconnecting and growing um, new relationships and old relationships. Um, and so I think as men, we need to continue to um, connect um, and grow. And I think um, with everything from tailgating to watching the game, uh, to even the car ride over there, God is working um, in the hearts of the guys here and um, and through the relationships that will be formed through going to here. So um, by um, July 27th, we'll need to have... Um, Everyone kind of RSVP. There's a sign-up sheet at the end on the table in the um, St. Fellowship Hall there. Um, so please sign up. Um, and then um, the price is $33, but that's including parking, um, the food for the tailgating, and the ticket price. Um, also, fun note, without really realizing it, it's Sesame Street night. So <laughs> um, if you have young kids that like that, bring them over. They'll have a blast, too. Um, so, um, so don't be limited by that. Great. So Saturday, July 9th. Yes. Coming right up. Good. Thanks for leading that. Yeah, Grant. and then I'll send an email and uh, text to guys that are interested in coming so that we'll clarify all the details and stuff. So, Fantastic. The psalmist wrote, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I trust you know the God who created you through his son, Jesus. If you'd like to know more, we'd like to share that with you. But that is something that we can claim. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Let's pray together, church, shall we? Father, we're delighted that you brought us together today. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness and for us to be able to sing that, for us to be able to proclaim that you are a good, good father. And I thank you for these brothers of mine who have opened their heart to share about that goodness. And we fully understand that uh, there are struggles, there are challenges, but in all that we found you to be faithful, we found you to be good, we found you to be true, we found you to be sufficient. And so, Lord, as we go about this day uh, that our culture has set aside to honor fathers, uh, I am grateful, Lord, that you, uh, from the beginning of time, have called yourself our Father. And so, with great joy, uh, would you dismiss us with your blessing, uh, being mindful that all that we have comes from you, and it's our privilege to give back to you in our time and our gifts and our talents, and God, take us now to those who don't know you as our good Father, that we might influence them to see you in that way as well. So dismiss us now with your blessing, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name, and together all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great week, church. Thank you.